All right, trying something really different today. And by really different, I mean, I'm, I'm pulling out of the deepest of deep archives, uh, an interview that I did as we're getting up, we're three weeks away from Elevate. I'm pulling out an interview that I did almost three years ago with Sunday workshop presenter, Marcus Sheridan. Um, in a previous podcast life uh, from a podcast that I did. It was a, also a live kind of video show called Fearlessly Questioning. And I'm talking to Marcus Sheridan. And the topic was fearlessly questioning, breaking the rules. And I just kind of wanted to preface. It's it's interesting. I was going back. I was listening to this. And I, th- I thought, man, this is one interesting to hear how little the conversation in marketing and what we did talk about in marketing has changed and just the overall concept of, of kind of how to, how to identify rules that you maybe want to break in your agency, um, whether it be marketing or business or just in general of, of understanding where you can be different. And I'm going to leave, I'm going to play it in its entirety. I kind of thought about chopping it up. I'm going to leave a little, little intro ditty that I used to do for the show. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. So um, if you do like this, if this is something that you find interesting, uh, I got about 45 of these kind of just hanging out uh, from that. Uh, maybe some of them are still still kind of applicable. Um, and it might be even, even more fascinating to kind of dig up and, and just kind of listen to um, as kind of time has passed and see where we're at now versus then. But um, yeah, I, I felt the need to kind of let you know what's happening because if I just tossed this in here, I'd be like, man, what is just, I don't even know what's going on. So here it is. Uh, interesting, interesting uh, kind of interview that I did with Marcus again, about three years ago. Um, again, talking about uh, a lot of marketing, um, but also just centered on the idea of what rules do you want to break? There you go. I think that rules in general can be very, very dangerous. Going into the audience and having those magical moments with the audience has in a lot of ways been one of my trademarks. And it's been a major component of my brain. Generally speaking, 95% of the audience loves it. 5%, they don't like it. I let go of the 5% before I even walk into the room. I just I just let it go. I'm not there to please the five. But those 95% say, man, that guy was different. Memorable, it's a polarizing style. Well, that's, well, that's yeah, your, your biggest enemy is just being unforgettable, just being average, just being status quo. That is the death of everything that's good. Marcus Sheridan, are you finally ready to fearlessly question today? I'm finally ready, brother. Let's make this happen. It's about time. I'm, I'm glad that we can finally do this. You were actually the original inspiration for the show and almost a full calendar year uh, away from it, we've actually got you here finally. I'm glad that we can do this. Um, 
we're going to be fearlessly questioning breaking the rules. And the only thing is I want to hold on to this topic because it's very important, but I want to preface this conversation with saying that I think you've already fixed most of the stuff I wanted to call you out on and you're doing it now. So it's going to make it a little <laughs> awkward. So I don't know what I fixed, but I'll, I'll uh, fix, I'm curious fix, to hear your thoughts. Fix is a strong word uh, for me to use, so I, I don't know if that's the, necessarily the right terminology. But um, before we get started, um, why don't you go ahead and catch everybody up? Just quickly tell them your story as it relates to fearlessly questioning breaking the rules. Well, to my quick story is I used to be a pool guy. I started a swimming pool company, River Pools, in 2001. And uh, we were installing fiberglass pools in Virginia, Maryland area. And uh, things were going okay, growing the company. And then it all hit the fan in 2008 when the economy dropped out and it looked like we were going to go out of business. In fact, I talked to multiple consultants. They said, we need to go out of the, uh, we should just file bankruptcy. And uh, so by January 2009, we went through a period of three straight weeks where we were overdrawn in our bank accounts. We were going to, I mean, my 16 employees were sitting at home. It was a bad, bad time, Joey. And uh, so that was when we either had to file bankruptcy or... We had to do things differently than they had been done. And, you know, so that was when I started reading about inbound, about content marketing and all these things. Basically to me, I just said, okay, what you're saying is I just need to be a better teacher than anybody else when it comes to fiberglass swimming pools. So that's what we did. We became essentially the Wikipedia of fiberglass swimming pools. And um, today it's the uh, most traffic swimming pool website in the world. It gets about, uh, last month I got about a half a million visitors to the site. And um, we've also become a manufacturer of fiberglass pools as well. And because of that success, I transitioned to become a sales and marketing guy, sales lion. And now I just really go around and I speak a lot, um, conferences, give a lot of workshops, and teach about this thing that we call content marketing and digital marketing and all these, these fun things. And uh, it's an amazing ride, Joey. I've been really, really blessed. That's it. Before we really get into it, I want to we'll we'll just loosen things up a little bit. Not that you need to loosen up most of the time; you're already pretty loose, uh, from my experience. Um, what's one kind of harmless activity action that most people would overlook, but you might actually just never talk to a person again because they actually did that thing? So, in other words, what would make me mad about if somebody did something? Like, what's something you see that most people are like that's nothing, but then like just freaks you out? One either makes you angry or you're like disgusted or kind of weird. Or like you just feel like that should not happen and there should be like an official law for that. Not to happen. I can't. Well, here's what I cannot um, stand for. Uh, I cannot stand for when you kick a person when they're down. I have a really big problem with that. Can I give you an example that happened uh, this week? You're already way above the bar that I was. I had set. So, yeah, sure. Go ahead. So big things happen with HubSpot this week. You're aware of. I might be. Yeah. So they let go of their... They let go of Mike Volpe, who's one of their. Oh, I was not aware of that. I did not hear that. I'm. I did not. Yeah, he's one of their major major employees. There's a big whole thing going on with it. Blah blah blah. I don't want to go get into that so much, but um, it, it's just you know, it's a it's a bump in the road for HubSpot because they lost a couple of their best employees. Um, they let them go. I got an email from uh, ActOn. ActOn is one of HubSpot's biggest competitors. And ActOn sent me this email yesterday and said, hey, Marcus, just wanted to uh, touch base with you. Figured, you know, with HubSpot having all these problems that you might want to distance yourself from them and might be time for a conversation. That made me hot, Joey. 
because I don't have a problem with Acton approaching me. That was the first time they've ever personally approached me. They personally approached me when HubSpot was having a bad week. I thought that was really a weak move. I can't stand that. I can't stand that. So stuff like that. I don't like bullying, like just in general. And that's why it's hard for me. Sometimes I get really passionate about something, but I try to pull in the reins because I see lots of times the internet is like, it's funny, there's this bullying that's happening everywhere. And it's not like the tip. There's a lot of people that say it just happens with teenagers and stuff. No, it's happening all the time. You know, if I sit there and I go after and I beat a brand up to death, if I just beat them up to death, I could be bullying them, right? I could be if I'm not careful, right? And so you take something like Act On. If I wanted to, I could just go and go and go about how much I hate Act On. I don't hate Act On. I'm sure they're a great, great software. They provide a lot of value for people. But that made me, that made me upset, man, because they were kicking a man, or in this case, a company, when they were down. Well, it's more or less the fact of just how they do business, not necessarily what That's business right. they do. And That's I think, exactly right. Just do it the right way. Just do it the right way. Well, again, like I said, your your example was uh, way, way, way over the bar. I was just thinking along the lines of like when somebody jumps in the bed with shoes on. That was kind of my... Ah, so a little quirk. See, that would be yeah. a quirk. So a quirk that drives me crazy is when somebody eats cereal and you can hear them the whole time slurping and gnawing at the cereal and then if they drink the milk at the end and you can hear them just like like that at the end that drives me crazy my brother used to do that i still i still like you know scratching the the chalkboard i've never i guess do adults still slurp cereal is the question that i would have to follow i've not encountered a, an adult cereal they do. they do and it's a big problem it's a big problem joey well, we will see what we can do to organize uh, maybe a coalition to kind so of... So here's another one for you. Yesterday yeah. I was in a presentation and I was actually attending. I was not the speaker. And this person was sitting near me and they were just chewing. They were had potato chips. And of course, you can't look. Here's the thing. If you're in a group and you're all watching somebody and you're eating, take the potato chips Open up the bag beforehand, pour all the chips out on the plate. Because every time you put your hand in that little chip thing, it makes this crinkling noise. It's no different. The guy at the the guy at the movie theater with the popcorn, that you can just hear him dig into the popcorn the whole time. Brutal. That guy, bad. I think you hit on just more of a human principle of people valuing their importance over a, a majority of people. Aloof. I can't handle aloofness. Like right. I'm aloof of the fact that this guy's trying to listen. And I'm just sitting here crinkling my popcorn while he's not being able to pay attention to things. That drives me crazy. So I, I gave think, you a deep one and one very shallow. How about good. that? I'm glad. I, I, it's always nice when we can get a little shallow on the show because we got to, we got to, you know, just let our, let our shallowness show through it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's um, let's jump right into it. And I mentioned right before when we started the show that you'd kind of, you've kind of, I, again, I don't want to say gotten better, but some of the things that I wanted to maybe discuss with you, um, you know, back when we originally kind of came up with, when I came up with the idea of the show is, you know, you, you, as you mentioned, you're kind of this person that people think you know a little bit about this marketing thing and people like to, you know, look to you as, as somebody that knows what's going on. That's a pretty fair assumption. Um, but yet I, I noticed that you were kind of only doing what worked for you. You weren't really paying attention or necessarily caring about what worked for other people so much. And 
a lot of that, like, you know, the examples I was going to use is that, you know, up until probably what, six months ago, emails, I don't think I got more than three emails from you over the course of like two years, but now I think that's coming around a little bit more. Um, video, you're doing a little bit more with video, which I, I really am enjoying the new videos that you're sending out. Um, social media, I don't know, you said, you know, you're not a big fan of Facebook and Twitter, you're not, just not, not necessarily good at those things, or they're not natural to you. These are some of the things that, that you necessarily have rules that you've broken. I guess the question in all of this is, is so of the things that you have changed, uh, you know, has it, you know, why did you stop breaking those rules and how has it you know, impacted? Well, I mean, here's the, here's the problem. My problem, Joey, is that um, I procrastinate. I'm unorganized. I have a problem with attention to detail. Uh, oftentimes I can't get small tasks finished, right? And so I, was going to get, I wasn't going to get a video done until my team said, like, I've got George Thomas on my team, right? So George, I said, George, just buy the equipment. Make sure it's good equipment. I want to show up. I'm going to talk. Tell me when the date is. Let's record all the videos we can for, let's say, six months. Buy, buy weekly videos, six months. And it took an hour and a half. So my time investment was an hour and a half. It's perfect. Now, George is doing all the difficult work, the editing of the videos, all that stuff. And he's learning as he goes, too. But... Moral of the story, though, Joey, is if I had the minutia of all the editing, I probably wouldn't have ever gotten it done. But because I have a team, I get it done. I get it done. And so I think, to me, the moral goes back to the moral of this story is we need to identify where we're weak. And, and if it's possible, surround ourselves with people that can fill in those gaps. You know, and I'm telling you what those emails with the videos that I've been doing, they're really successful. They've been really, really successful. And it's been cool because it's an amazing amount of uh, just specific engagement, people I haven't heard heard from for a while or whatever. I mean, it's just been really, really cool. I'm doing Periscope right now. I want to be good at Periscope. I'm figuring it out right now. I would say on a scale of A to F, I'm an F. But I'm working towards an F plus. Eventually, I might be a D. Um, I don't want to be just a guy that uh, just tells people to answer customers' questions through blogging on their website. Now, I definitely want to be deeper than that and more than that. But like everybody else, I'm incredibly fallible and flawed. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little. I'm, we're gonna go really into it a little deep. I, I usually don't ask these kind of questions on the show, but I just have to for my own personal curiosity. The videos are on Wistia. Why? Yes. The reason why the videos are on Wistia. It's because we use a Wistia HubSpot connector. And so hypothetically, I can go and I can see if you have viewed the video. I can see what points you stopped in the video, what you watched, the total engagement. I mean, all the like deep analytics I can get within Wistia and it's connected to my HubSpot account. And so therefore, I can also see leads, prospects, and their engagement with the videos as well. And so, like, for example, let's say, Joey, you are a prospect of mine and you were, you were thinking about doing business with me. I'm trying to see how serious you are. I say, Joey, check out this video. Watch it. You've already filled out a form on my site. I send you that video. Now I can get a report knowing, okay, Joey, in the timeline of the lead behavior, he looked at this video on Wistia and he did these things. If it was on, say, YouTube, I could never get that advanced intelligence the same way. So basically, and I guess I should have, I could have maybe uh, got the answer to this question from when you said the tra traffic statistics of your site, you're really not concerned about uh, traffic generation or lead generation at this point. This is more to further people down the funnel. 
Oh, I'm definitely worried about lead generation. Uh, there's a CTA at the end of the video as well, you know, and so uh, within Wistia, you can set that up and you can you can do those things. Now, keep in mind, it's probably I'm still learning a lot of this stuff because, you know, for a while it was just you record it on your phone, you put it up on YouTube, you call it a day. Those are the easy days. Those are the glory days for me because I could actually pull that off. Um, now we're, you know, we're three or four years kind of past that and we've got to be a little bit more responsible, at least in the sense of if we have a chance to measure it. Why not? So I guess, is that trade-off, that measurement, is that better? Is that worth yeah. the trade-off of getting people, more people through YouTube and searchable? But it's on YouTube as well. Oh, you also put it on YouTube? So everything we do on Wistia, we upload to YouTube as well. Oh, okay. See, I'm just getting emails. I'm going right to the Wistia where you send me an email. That's correct, because so. I want to know if you did it. But you could actually go to YouTube and find it also. All right, well, never mind. That whole, I just wasted... Three minutes you, of your life time. Else, you bring up a good point, man. You bring up a good, good point because, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, you see, I've seen people just upload it to Wistia, but they don't put it on YouTube. You're wasting a great opportunity there in a lot of regards, right? So if you can do both, do both. And it's not, it doesn't take a tremendous amount of time to upload a video to YouTube and put in a little bit of, you know, of the, uh, the meta information and you're good. That's the most, I think, specific I've ever talked to marketing on the show, and uh, I think, in the history. So congratulations for being a part of that. Um, right. But um, I, I want to ask, though, and this is this has kind of been my whole, like, um, you know, theory um, uh, around this breaking the rules idea. And I kind of want to know what your take is on it. And how much do you need to learn before you actually decide to break a rule? Um, I actually think that... I think that rules in general can be very, very dangerous um, because what's funny to me is one of the things I've done over the past couple of months, I've gone to a few speaker trainings because I get into teaching people how to speak and I give a lot of speeches, presentations, and workshops. I'm pretty obsessed with this whole idea of clean communication and all of its forms. And what's funny is if you go to a speaker training, you're going to hear rules. And then if you want to, you can sit there and name all the people that we all have heard before that break all these rules. And so the question is, who is right? Like, who is right? Let me give you an example I'm talking about. When I started speaking, I said, I want to go into the audience. People said, you can't go into the audience. So I said, sure I can. And going into the audience and having those magical moments with the audience has in a lot of ways been one of my trademarks. I mean, it's been a major component of my brand. And uh, generally speaking, 95% of the audience loves it. 5%, they don't like it. I let go of the 5% before I even walk into the room. I just, I just let them go. I'm not there to please the five. But those 95 are going to say, man, that guy was different, memorable. It's a polarizing style. And people certainly don't sleep. They don't watch their phones the whole time. You know, I get less tweets in my presentations because people don't want to look at their phones. Seriously. And that's because I'm sitting there, I'm doing my thing in the audience oftentimes. Now, I can't do that in certain, if audience gets so big, you can't do it. But you talk to anybody that is a, you know, a professional speaker and they're like, dude, you can't do it like that. I'm the only person I know that does it that way. The only one that I've seen on the circuit. Um, 
I think this is, I think what you hit on there is what a lot of people are very afraid to do is they're, they're, um, they're letting go of, you're letting go of the indifference, right? You want to not make people indifferent to your presentation. Even if they don't like you, they'll still remember you, even though, I mean, you want to, you want to invoke that, you know, kind of emotion one way or the other. Well, that's, yeah, your, your biggest enemy is just being unforgettable, just being average, just being status quo. That is the death of everything that's good. So when they say you want them to hate them or you want them to hate you or love you, that's really true. It really is true. You should see the feedback forms I get, Joey. On a scale of 1 to 10, pretty much 95% are going to be a 9 or a 10, and 5% are going to be a 1 or 2 or a 3. But people have so much, they, they overvalue that 5%, I would imagine. Yeah, well, and I tell, I tell organizers, I'm like, are you okay the fact that 5% won't like this, so that 95% says it's one of the best experiences they've ever had. And generally they say, yeah, sure, we'll take it. <laughs> well, I want to take a break. I want to get, get, let you off the hook here for a second. It's your turn to turn the tables on everybody else at home. I want you to ask the audience a fearless question of your own, something you've always wanted to know the answer to, but we're a little unsure of the response. You have an opportunity to do that now. What would that question be? So give me a good example of one that's been like a great one in the past. <sighs> So, man, it's I, I, I've taken a couple weeks off the show. I'm trying to think of so like Chris Brogan asked like, "What are you waiting for? Like, what's stopping you?" Um, a lot of people ask like, "What are you afraid of? Like, why aren't you doing what makes you happy?" That's a big. That's usually been a big question throughout mm. most of the guests. Mm. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, that is pretty good. So, if I could ask everybody one question, what would it be? What would it be? I would say this. Why, why have you not truly embraced the talent and genius you know you have, but you're afraid to talk about it and verbalize it because you fear it will sound arrogant to somebody else? Interesting. You have to explain the arrogance to so me. For example, yeah, the arrogant part. Give me an example. Give me an example. Um, I, I'm not your average speaker or communicator. And this is a gift that I have. I've known it since about 22. Used it a lot in the last five years. And I realized that I was sent here to deliver messages to large groups of people and help them reach their potential and that i am going to be already one of the best in the world at that now i'm still very much refining my craft i got a long ways to go and i still have major moments of falling on my face but i know i'm one of the most talented in the world and i'm okay with that i own that because i feel like it's a gift now you go ask me, Joey, to go put together a desk that you just got from Ikea, and it's going to take me four times longer than the average person because it's not who I am. It's, for some reason, it's not how my brain works. But if you came to me right now and say, Marcus, oh, my goodness, we're in trouble. Can you go deliver an impromptu um, two-hour presentation to this group? Not about marketing, just about something else. I'd say, sure. What do you need me to talk about? I could do it. 
I'm glad that one, we share that bond of now I don't feel so bad about my ineptitude of the time it usually takes me to do it and, <laughs> and, and the amount of times that I've injured myself doing it. Um, but uh, that, that common bond aside, I think, so the question that I'm most interested to ask from that explanation would be um, from that point then, if you, to, if you are to be successful then in that goal of being one of the best in the world, the message is going to have to change, I would imagine, in some form. It's got and to we evolve. About this briefly, but what, what rule are you going to have to break to make that happen? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to have to. So I think one thing, Joey, is I think that. Um... Oh, man. I think about I think about the style that I am as a speaker is going to, some people say you should speak the same way every time. I don't believe that at all. If I'm speaking to 10 people, my style is going to be different to 100, to 1,000, to 10,000. And so I, I can give the exact same talk four different ways, four different styles. Give me a podium and I can still give a great talk if I do the right things. And so the point is, it, it doesn't, I'm trying to get to the point where no matter what the style is, no matter what the audience is, I can make it work in that moment. I've also been thinking a lot about, like this morning, I was thinking to myself, would it be possible that I attached my phone to my chest and did a live stream of my next big conference talk and periscoped it while I was speaking so that everybody on Periscope could watch the audience's reaction to the things that I say as I'm saying it. Why that would, to me would be what, some sweet action if I could break that rule. What makes you think that wouldn't be possible? That seems very possible. Yeah, I know. But that it starts with a question like, because I've never seen anybody do it. Well, that's the thing though. That's the coolest thing though. That's the things that you think are the coolest things that you want to see that you know necessarily don't necessarily come to other people that you actually make happen but you can be wrong though i think that's a lot i think that's the problem with a lot of people is that you can be wrong yeah i'm going to turn that mother out i mean i'm going to totally try this and i just want to push the envelope of what's possible with making speaking this incredibly engaging experience i would uh, i would one up you on that i would say why not just upgrade to like a google glass experience and just have it right in the the uh, the old uh Right on the eyes. Well, Google Glass isn't really selling anything right now. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying, would I don't know. Does, does Would Google Glass work with Periscope outside of duct taping your phone to your chest? I don't really want you to hurt yourself. That's all. It would be comical. Well, you know, so you bring up a good point. What's the apparatus? Could I use one of those GoPro holders, <clears throat> chest things that they use? I mean, eventually live streaming, you can't just use a phone. It'd be nice if they allowed us to to have our our GoPro connected to our phone. And maybe they already have that and I'm just dumb. I'm too dumb to know. I was going to suggest that, but I don't, that seems like it's a, a, I don't think that exists yet, but that could be wrong. Yeah. That's one that's going to exist in six months yeah. though. Definitely. You heard it here first. <laughs> but Let's see how it goes. But I mean, this is the type of things that I'm thinking about. Because I think I think we can engage even further and deeper on in these in the spill. That's what I'm thinking about. This is a, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say. I mean, why is it that 
so many people are either looking for rules to follow or afraid to step outside of the ones that they obviously don't. Biggest reason, biggest reason is a stinking public school education system that we have in America teaches you to be a conformist. It is set up on a conveyor belt methodology. It teaches you how to get the right answers for the test, that the test is what matters. It teaches you to fill inside the circle, not outside the circle. It tells you exactly how to do, how to think, and how to be. And it's an incredible flaw. It's the antithesis of a leadership education. It's the antithesis of a liberal arts education. It's the antithesis of a creative education. And it's really, really sad. And standards of learning tests and all these other tests that you see out there are destroying what is just thought. I mean, it's sad, man. It's really, really sad. That's one of my big passion areas. I think that's the big problem. And I know you are a father of, of four children who are all in school. Yeah. What is your solution to school for them? Because my, my son is about getting ready to go to school, and I'm like terrified about the options, and I don't like any of them that are realistically, geographically possible. I can tell you what. I can tell you what. My um, four kids have been homeschooled for many years. I think I knew that. I, I knew that. And, and my daughter, oldest, 14, she was she went to public school last year because she really wanted to try it out, see what it was like. And of course, after the first couple of days, she said, "Dad, it's nice being here, f like to see my friends, but this is the most inefficient system of learning that I've ever seen. It's unbelievable, Dad. I could do this in two hours a day, and I'm here for seven or eight. And uh, she's right. She's right. Now, I tell you what, I'm going on the road these next three and a half months." She's taking the next semester of school off, and she's just going with me. And everybody says, well, Marcus, how can you do that? Because I can. You want to talk about breaking the rules? She's going with me, traveling around the world, going to Brazil, going to Copenhagen, Europe, Scotland, Canada, West Coast, South, all over the states to my different events where I'm speaking at. And she's 14 years old. Not supposed to do that with a 14-year-old. Why? Why? Who made that rule? John Adams. Read about John Adams and John Q John Quincy Adams. By the time he was 16, he had traveled the whole world. And this is before planes. And, um, you know, the sad part is that people don't realize, and this is maybe coming back to that blinders mentality, is that she will learn more probably in that uh, what you school said, life, maybe, than, uh, than she would probably in two or three years of school, I would imagine. Greatest quote I've ever heard, Mark Twain, never let your schooling get in the way of your education. It's very true. It's probably a better way to say it. Yeah, I'm very much cut from the James Altucher cloth. Like, if my son came to me and said, Dad, I've decided not to go to college. What I'm going to do is I'm going to spend that money on learning this, this, and this, and I'm going to do this, this, and this intern in this trade. How do you feel about that, Dad? I'd start crying with joy. I would be the happiest dad on the planet in that moment. I was, I was going to ask, so that, that podcast he did on why college is a scam probably changed your life as much as it changed mine? I actually was way like uh, that to me is like a five year old conversation that I've had with myself many times. I'm, I'm about I'm about a year and a half into this, so I I do I do fear the day if my children do have to go to college. It is it is a scam, and you know a solid eighty percent. Now, granted, if you're going to be a doc, you got to go to get that specialized training. I'm all for that, but you know Abraham Lincoln was one. It was a great lawyer. He never went to law school. And so I'm not saying you shouldn't go to law school. I'm just saying that why we have this system. The system is incredibly flawed. I look back on my college experience. 80% was a total waste of time. Wasn't useful. Taking classes that are just, just 
frivolous, silly classes. Like, give me a break. And not real, like, like when Danielle travels with me, okay, she's 14. She has to plan our days. If we're going to go sightseeing, she's got to go plan it. She has to, she's required at every meal. She's not allowed to order what she would eat at home. You know, it's like these types of things is what we do. And it's powerful, man. It's powerful. And people, like, do you realize, Joey, when I started this, all these people started to ask me, like, dude, you can't do this, can you? I mean, like, well, dude, I want to do this with my kids. It's like, well, why don't you do it? Well, no, why not? If you really want to do it, why don't you do it? Is it necessarily convenient that I am now looking over my shoulder whenever I travel because my daughter's there? It's not necessarily convenient, but daggone, it's going to change your life. It's going to change mine. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this, and this will this will pretty much come close to wrapping us up. This is this is getting really stuff that I'm kind of passionate about. But I think this brings us full circle, where you say, if you want to do it, why don't you do it? I think that's great advice, but I think in the wrong hands, it's very dangerous because we're talking about something that we've both spent the time researching and to understand that you know this has positive benefits, side effects, whatever you want to call it. Where somebody can take that and say, well, I want to do this, and then have you know not take the time to understand why it's going to be a positive experience do something like i'm just gonna let him stay home and watch um whatever daytime talk show is on yeah. tv you know, so I, I guess like so it comes back to that original question is you know how much do you have to learn before you break that rule i tell you what man when i you know what i used to be like everybody else somebody would say my kids are homeschooled i've been like what about their socialization because i was ignorant I was ignorant of what's how socialization actually occurs. And then when I really started to understand things, if anybody meets my kids, they're some of the most socialized kids in the history of, well, I don't know in the history of anything, but they're pretty dang on social. 